Wednesday, March 11th, 2020. I remember the day well. It was the day everything that we knew about ministry changed. We were huddled together up in that conference room up there trying to figure out how on earth we could do church when we weren't allowed to gather. And it also happened to be the day that our beloved senior pastor, Mark Toon, got on a plane to North Carolina and said, you got this, guys. And since then, it's felt like we've had to change how we do ministry every few months. I loved last week Pastor Megan saying, every quarter I've had to have a new strategy for church planting because things keep changing. And it's not just the church that experienced change, we've, we've all experienced change. The rules about masks, the rules about gatherings, the, the format of school, we've all experienced it. Change, change, change. So how do we deal with constant change? And, and more than that, how do we succeed in the midst of constant change? My name's Ellis. I'm one of the pastors here at Chapel Hill, and I'm really glad that you have joined us here today, whether you're in person or you're joining us online. We are kicking off a brand new series through the Old Testament book of Joshua, and I love this book. I cannot wait for us as a church to journey through this story together. It's a story of how God's people pulled off the impossible by putting their faith in the faithfulness of God. And we're going to split this book up into three different series, the, the, the main sections of the book. And this week, we're beginning our first series called Ready, Set, Go. We're going to ask the question and seek to answer it, how can we be ready for what God is going to do in our lives? And this morning, we're going to ask the question, how can we be ready for what God is going to do when we're surrounded by such constant change? So let's dive in to the book of Joshua together. We're starting in chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. Let me stop right there. Now, I know that some of us, maybe many of us, are familiar with the story of God's people up to this point, but there might be some of us who need a little recap. So let me help us out this morning. Right now, we find ourselves at least 1,200 years before Jesus was born. And if we wind the clock back another 40 years, we find God's people, Israel, in slavery in Egypt. And God had promised his people that he would deliver them from slavery and that he would give them their own land. And he chose a man named Moses to do it. Now, our passage calls Moses the servant of the Lord, and Moses was literally the servant of the Lord. There had been no one like him in God's people's past. There was no one like him afterwards in God's people's future except for Jesus. You see, not only did he use, God used Moses to lead his people out of slavery, not only did he use Moses to do miracles like the plagues or, or the parting of the waters of the Red Sea or, or drawing water out of a rock, not only did God use Moses to lead his people through 40 of their hardest years of wandering in the wilderness because of their disobedience, but God met with Moses face to face in a way that he'd done with no one before and has done with no one since. Moses was the mediator between God's people and God himself. He was the conduit. He was the access point. It could not be overstated enough how significant a leader Moses was for the people of Israel. 
and now he's dead. And not only that, but between Israel and the promised land was a raging river. A river they knew Moses could have just stretched out his staff and parted the waters off. And on the other side of that raging river lay nations, the Canaanite nations, nations just like the ones that Moses had defeated in the past, like the Egyptians, like Og and Sihon. And so at this critical moment, as the people are approaching the land, as they are about to step into the promise that God has given them, Moses, the greatest leader they've ever had, dies. Yes, they knew it was going to happen. Yes, they, he was old. Yes, God had said he wasn't going to lead them into the promised land, but still, here they are without the servant of the Lord, facing a difficult future, filled with raging rivers and brutal battles. And the question on their minds was, surely, how are we going to succeed in the midst of this change? I majored in maths in college, and that is the correct way to say it. I know you say math, but I'm sticking with, with my way. Maths, one of the concepts that's central to mathematics and most science is that of constants and variables. Variables are numbers which change. They're numbers to which we assign letters like X and Y and Z. And I know some of you hate letters when it comes to numbers. That's okay, stick with me. Constants are numbers which don't change, like 2 and 369 and 3.14159... which we also call pi. Yes, I know we give that a letter, but it's a Greek letter and that's different. Anyway, constants, variables. Life is the same. It's full of variables, things that change, like COVID restrictions. And constants, things that don't change. And in the last 18 months, it has felt like the number of variables is off the charts. I don't know that many of us have lived through a season with as much change as there has been in the past year and a half. But the writer of the book of Joshua is going to tell us something very important in this first chapter about how to deal with life when it is full of constant change. And that is this. Constants are the key to conquering constant change. When faced with change, we must look to things which are constant to bring stability. And this opening chapter of the book of Joshua gives us three constants to which we can cling to in the face of constant change. Three constants which are key to conquering change. And the first is this, God's promise, God's promise. For the people of Israel, even though the servant of the Lord had changed, God's promise to give them a land had not changed. Jo Joshua, Moses' assistant, had been given the task of leading God's people, and God's first recorded words to Joshua as God's people's new leader called him to remember that God's promise to give them a land had not changed. So let's read again. Joshua 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, 
Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. God's message to Joshua is that even though Moses, the servant of the Lord, is dead, God's promise is not dead. Even though Joshua has succeeded Moses, nothing has superseded God's promise. The land that God promised to give to Abraham and his descendants hundreds of years ago, the land that they dreamed of for 400 years while they were in Egypt, the land that they had longed for through 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, the land that they were on the brink of walking into, that land was still to be theirs. Moses might no longer be the servant of the Lord. The servant of the Lord might have changed, but God's promise had not changed. God's promise is constant. After my own father passed, I descended into a season of darkness that that my counselor said, let's just call it what it is, it's depression. It was the most disorienting season of my life. It was like I woke up one day and my brain didn't work the way it had always worked for the preceding years of my life. And in the midst of this season of, of change that I just couldn't understand, I found hope in the promises of God. The promise that one day God would make all things new. That one day he would wipe away every tear from every eye. That one day there would be no more suffering, no more pain, no more death, no more mourning. In that same season, my sister and a colleague of hers who'd also lost his father wrote a song We sometimes sing it here at Chapel Hill. It has these lyrics in it. You've treasured every teardrop and said that you'd restore. You will not forget your people. You'll make all things new. I don't know what you might be going through right now in your life. I read those prayer requests every week and I know there are people here who are hurting and who are desperate. Even if your life feels like it's in the midst of turmoil, God's promise of a hope and a future for you remains. He has promised that he will come again and he will make all things new. He has promised he will restore what the world and the devil has taken away and he has promised that he will not forget you, his people. So whatever you're going through, hold on to the constant of God's promises. They do not change. Yes, the servant of the Lord has changed, but God's promise has not changed. Yes, the whole world around us is changing, but God's promise has not changed. So the first constant we can cling to, according to Joshua chapter 1, is God's promise. The second is God's presence. God's presence. God continues to speak to Joshua with these words. Verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. As I said earlier, Moses had this special relationship 
with God, a, a relationship like no one else. Exodus 33 puts it this way. It says, God spoke to him face to face as a man speaks to a friend. Now, given this special, unique relationship that God and Moses had, I, I wonder if Joshua was tempted to believe that God would withdraw his presence now that Moses was dead. But no, God said to Joshua, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. God's servant may have changed, but God's presence has not changed. I've not been in the presence of a member of my family for 20 months and counting. We've FaceTimed, we've Zoomed, but we have not been physically present with one another. Two weeks ago, I was back there at the wood wall, and there was a, a man sitting at a table just off to the side who, who looked like he was waiting to talk to me. So I finished the conversation I was in, and then I went over to him. And as I did, he, he stretched out a hand towards me, and in an accent that I could tell was definitely not an American accent, he said, it is Ellis, isn't it? I'm John. And in that moment, I realized I was in the presence of family. You see, this man was a relative of mine. Now, he's about as distant a relative as you can get, okay? He's married to the first cousin once removed of my wife. So he's my wife's first cousin once removed husband. But, but, he was family. Something I hadn't experienced in 20 months came over me in that moment. This sense of belonging. This is my kin. This is one of my people. There's something powerful about being in the presence of someone else. Zoom can't replace it. FaceTime can't replace it. Something powerful about being in the presence of someone else. And just as God said, that he would be present with Moses. He said he'd be present with Joshua. And just as God has said he would be present with Joshua, he has said he'll be present with us, his people. You see, we once were distant and separated from God, just like, I, just like I've been from my family, separated by a virus. But the virus that separated us from God wasn't the coronavirus, it was the virus of sin. But God, in his mercy took the consequences of our sin upon himself in the person of Jesus Christ. And as Jesus bore that upon the cross, he said the words of Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was forsaken by the Father so that we might never be forsaken. Jesus was separated from the love of God so that we might never be separated from the love of God. And as Jesus ascended into heaven, he did what he had promised to do. He sent his Holy Spirit to live in the lives of those who know him and love him. His Holy Spirit that the Bible says will never leave us nor forsake us. The Holy Spirit that comforts us, that confirms our adoption into God's family. The Holy Spirit that guides us, that empowers us to live the life that Jesus has called us to live. Our God has not forsaken us, 
No matter what we might be facing, our God is with us right now in and through the work of Jesus Christ and the person of the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you, there's nothing like knowing the presence of God with you. For those of you who know it, for those of you who have felt it in your life, there is nothing like the presence of God. And if you haven't felt it, if you don't know that in your life, in a moment I'm going to give you the opportunity to invite God to make himself present to you. But before we do that, we have one more constant from this passage. We have the constant of God's promise, the constant of God's presence, and finally the constant of God's proclamation. God's proclamation, by which I mean God's word, is the third constant to which Joshua and we can cling in the midst of change. God continues speaking to Joshua, verse 7, only be strong and very courageous being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. God commands Joshua to be strong and courageous, something that we read three times in this passage. And the way, the manner in which Joshua is to exhibit this strength and courage is by carefully following God's word. That is the law that he gave to Moses. If he does, God says, he will be granted success wherever he goes. God's proclamation is the constant to which Joshua must cling if he wants to succeed in the midst of change. But God goes on to say that it would be impossible for Joshua to obey God's word if he doesn't know it. Verse eight, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. God says, if you absorb my word, if you meditate on my word, if you don't let it depart from your mouth day and night, then you will be able to obey it, and then you will have success and you will prosper. As an aside, I wonder if some of you might have questions about if it's okay for a Christian to meditate. Pastor Gunner's got a blog, a video coming out this week. Keep your eyes peeled for that. He has studied this. He has a lot that he's going to be able to share with us and guide us in this topic. But for this morning, our takeaway is that the key to success in the midst of change is to cling to the constant of God's word, God's proclamation. You know, in many ways, God's word is like a compass. It shows us which way is north. It tells us which way is is truth. It helps us understand what is false. But just like a compass, it will only help us succeed if we know what it says. When we're lost hiking or, or we're lost in the midst of a storm sailing, as the clouds are descending around us, if we keep that compass in our pocket, it's not going to help us. And in the same way, in the midst of this world that we live in, ever changing, constantly shifting, if we keep God's word on our bedside table and never open it, if we keep the Bible app on our phone ever closed and never open it, 
We cannot know God's word. And if we don't know God's word, we cannot obey God's word. And if we cannot obey God's word, we will not find success in the midst of change. But if we open it, if we study it, if we meditate upon it, and then by the power of the Spirit, we will be enabled to follow it. And God's word says we will find success, that our way will be prosperous. There was a time in my faith journey when my engagement in God's word was very infrequent. And it showed in my life, yes, by the world's standards, I, I would have been perceived as moderately successful. But inside, it felt like everything I was chasing after was smoke. Just as soon as I'd grab it, it would disappear. I was not fulfilled in the way that I was living. See, I, I wasn't living according to the, the truth of, of God's word. I was living according to the truths that I found in culture. The truths that, that I found in the mouths of my, my friends. The, the truths that I found by conjuring them up in my own mind. Living life based upon that truth left me feeling empty, unfulfilled, unsuccessful. I had a faulty compass. But a time came when I began, and I, I can only believe it was motivated by the Spirit of God, I began to devour His Word. I began to read it daily. I began to study it. I began to meditate upon it, memorize it. I be began to be a part of a small group that discussed it together that spurred one another on in seeking to follow the truths that were contained in God's word. And as I did all these things, I began to get to know God's heart. I began to see what was important to him and see that that wasn't what was important to the rest of the world. And as I did this, I began to reorient my life around his word. And I found a sense of fulfillment that I hadn't found in orienting my life around the things that the world says are true around the things that the world says make you successful. I found success in a different and new way, and I began to prosper in a way that I had not experienced before. Knowing God's word leads us to a life of living God's word, which ultimately, our passage says, and, and my life confirms this, leads us to a deep sense of fulfillment and success. This morning, I leave you with this question, how well do you know God's word? Wherever you are at with, with God's word, maybe I might encourage you today to take another step in your engagement with it. It is the constant which gives us success in the midst of change. So if you want to succeed in life, engage with this in a deeper way than you have ever before. Maybe you're here and you've never read it before. If so, I'm so glad that you are with us. And I'd encourage you to get a copy of the Bible. You can ask for one at the Woodwall. We'll give you one. And read the book of Mark. It'll tell you all about the life of Jesus and how he can change your life too. Maybe you've, you've read it sporadically, but you've never read all of it. Then I, might, I encourage you to download the Bible in One Year app. 
I love this app. Every person I've talked and shared about this app with who's downloaded it has said to me, I love this app. It splits up the Bible into readings every day so that you can read it in a year with commentary. You can listen to it if you want to. If you don't, if you like listening rather than reading, it's fantastic. Develop a habit of reading and studying God's Word every day. It will change your life. And maybe you do read God's Word every day. Maybe you study God's Word every day. Maybe you're pumped, excited. We're studying Joshua. I'm going to dive in, dig deep. Then can I encourage you to start memorizing God's Word? This passage says, don't let it depart from your mouth day and night. Maybe a verse to to begin with would be Joshua 1 verse 9. Haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We live in a time of constant change. If we want to survive, and more than that, if we want to succeed We have to orient our lives around constants. And there are three constants to which this passage points us. The constant of God's promise. No matter what you're going through, God's promise remains. Hold on to that. The constant of God's presence. He is always with you. And that's not dependent on what you do. That's dependent on what Jesus did. And the constant of God's proclamation. The grass fades, flowers wither. But God's word endures forever. And wherever you're at in your engagement with God's word, might I encourage you today to take another step in engaging with it. God's word is the key to conquering constant change. I'm going to close with prayer. And as I mentioned earlier, I want to give anyone here who hasn't had a chance to know God's presence in their life to invite him to come and meet with you this morning. And maybe you're here and you have known God's presence in your life, but you're just in a place where you need to know God's presence today. Something you're going through, something that's happening, you just need a touch of his presence in your life today. So wherever you're at, maybe we could all close our eyes. And if you're longing for God's presence, I want to invite you to put your hands out in front of you, open on your lap, like you're ready to receive something. Because we believe that When we ask for God's Holy Spirit to come, he gives it to us. That's the promise of his word. And so this morning, God, we come to you. And we say, come Holy Spirit. We thank you that it is not dependent on us. That we can't conjure this up. But that the gift of your spirit is given to us through the work of Jesus. And so we trust in him this morning. And we say, Jesus, send us your spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray for those who are struggling with a burden this morning that feels so great. With the presence of your Holy Spirit, meet them right now. Would they sense your love, your care, your attention to them in the midst of what they're going through? You know their burdens. You are with them. You're not going to leave them. Jesus, we thank you for the work that you have done. 
We thank you that we can know it through your word. And this morning we choose to stand on your promises, to trust in your presence with us, and to look to your proclamation, your word. And we pray this now in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today at Chapel Hill Church. If you'd like to visit us in person, we're located at 7700 Scancy Avenue, Gig Harbor, Washington, 98335. Our worship services are Sundays at 8.30, 10 o'clock, and 11.30 a.m. We'd love to meet you. To learn more about Chapel Hill and find out about upcoming events, visit us online at chapelhillpc.org. When fears are still, when striving ceases.